Welcome to Council 4 Unplugged. This is the podcast of our Council 4 AFSCME Union in New Britain, Connecticut. I'm Larry Dorman. We are proud to represent 30,000 workers across this great state. And we have two special guests today, Alex Guerrero and Andrea Dominguez. And Alex and Andrea are actually our AFSCME Union scholars. And so we thought it would be a great show if we could talk to Alex and Andrea about their impressions of the labor movement, what they're doing. Uh, in terms of projects and how they see the future of, of labor uh, in this state and in this country. So without further ado, let's get into it. I want to thank both of you for being here. Yeah, thanks uh, for having us. Great. Andrea, I'll start with you. Oh. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your background? You are in. Uh, you're a student. You're from California. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm originally from Tijuana, Mexico. Um, I... I'm a student. I'm an incoming junior student at UC Davis. My major is Chicano Chicana Studies. Um, I've been an activist for the past nine years with issues regarding economic and social justice. Um, and right now I'm doing this internship with AFSCME called the Union Scholars Program. Uh, and it's an organizing internship uh, for students so they can get involved in the labor movement and hopefully in the future um, have a career within the movement as well. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And Alex, I'm asking the same question. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and um, how you got connected to this program. Yeah, so uh, I got connected through this to this program through uh, Cal State Long Beach. Um, I just applied for AFSCME's uh, internship. It was a nationwide internship where they chose 12 students across the country to um participate in activism in different sites, trying to get um, more membership within the union after the Janus decision. It's been kind of difficult for AFSCME to raise its numbers, but um, this is an effort to do that, and this internship is really just trying to get the younger generation involved in that fight as well. That sounds excellent, and and Andrea, Dealing, we're dealing with the after effects of the Janus Supreme Court case, which was funded by billionaire anti-worker interest to essentially kind of defund and defang the labor union movement. So what's been your impression of, of the work you've been doing and, and the challenges facing uh, AFSCME and unions in general in Connecticut? Mm-hmm. I think um, one of the biggest challenges that the labor movement is facing after the Janus decision, which... Um, so far hasn't had the impact that a lot of people had predicted. Um, It's switching from a services model into an organizing model um, and really just thinking about it as building coalition with community groups and grassroots organizations to really make it um, a social justice unionism approach. And the reason why I say that is because we just got to take a look at history, right? Like, know thy labor history. This is not new. Attacks on unions are not new. Um, And I think that if we continue to focus just on pay, pension, and health care, we are completely disregarding the fact that people are not living single-issues lives. Single-issues lives. Um, And, you know, all of these other attacks... Um, that happen to the working class people are affecting, of course, primarily the working class people. 
Um, so we have been seeing that these efforts um, have really just made the labor movement stronger. Um, let's take a look at California. You know, teachers uh, went on strike last year. Um, and they wouldn't have been able to get what they got without the support of the whole county. Um, everyone was behind the teachers. And you see that happening across the nation. Um, I think that if we start focusing on that, then we can build a stronger labor movement. Um, and I think that's the biggest challenge that we are facing. Hmm. Interesting. And, and Alex, so tell me, I know you've... Um, Working with, again with our organizing coordinator mm -hmm. Kelly Martinez, we are trying to build, and, and Kelly's doing a great job with our staff trying to build a larger, um, stronger union. So, I'm, my understanding, I think you've met some of our newly organized workers. You're also helping um, to sign up, that is, to to get members to recommit mm -hmm. um, to the union and stay as members in the aftermath of of Janice. So, are those uh, some of the activities you've been doing? Yeah, um, we've been working with uh, some paraprofessionals who really have been struggling to, um, you know, get their benefits met and have every everything that they want um, given to them. And we've also been researching EMT workers who we're hoping to um, unionize in the future. Right. But um, it's definitely a struggle trying to get people to understand that even though it's not imperative that they sign up for the union it's after the Janus decision it is something that we really do encourage because if you're not in a union you do stand to um, your employer can threaten you in a different right. way and you don't have the solidarity that is there when you're in a union and part of the reason why um, AFSCME is such a strong uh, union itself is because of the members and because their voices um, are relentless and they want to be heard. And um, I think just giving them those voices is what's really needed. And, you know, sometimes when you're working as a teacher aide or any of those jobs, you don't have that kind of power to right. come to your employer and tell them what you're struggling with. So I think it's just really important that unions are giving those voices to those workers. And Yeah, I yeah. completely agree with that, and, and that certainly seems to be what the, the trend is, actually, mm -hmm. uh, in, in this in an economy where things seem to be a little bit backward mm -hmm. and where um, the gains of working people um, are, are, are eroding. Mm -hmm. um, so... You are listening to Council 4 Unplugged. I'm Larry Dorman of Council 4 AFSCME. Our guests are our AFSCME union scholars, Alex Guerrero and Andrea Dominguez. And I'm going to ask you both, I'll throw it to you, Andrea. Um, why did you get involved with the labor movement? Hmm. Interesting. That's, that's such a good question. <laughs> I don't know how to give a short answer because I know we it. have limited time. Um, it's not that limited. Okay. <laughs> um, well, like I mentioned, I am um, originally from uh, Tijuana, Mexico. I've been a transporter student. Um, so I've really had um, the experience of seeing what neoliberal policies, um, how they have affected my home country and how they have affected the working class 
in Mexico. So I've been really involved with economic justice activism. Um, Let me interrupt mm-hmm. you because um, I think our, our listeners would appreciate an explanation of what transborder, being a transborder student means. Yeah, of course. Um, so I, it's a little difficult to grasp for people that don't live in southern states of the United States. But it just so happens that the border where I live, that port of entry, um, is the most important border in the whole world. It's the most um, transited in the whole world. Um, And what happens is that there's sort of a symbiotic, economic, cultural relationship between San Diego, California, and Tijuana. So there's a lot of people like me who commute every day to go to work and to go to school. And I'm talking since kindergarten to all the way to doctors, professionals. They're crossing every day. Um, now, the it's been getting way more and more complicated, especially with this administration because of the policies that have been implemented. Um, but it's also important to note that a lot of people It's not just uh, Mexican-Americans, such as myself, that do this commute. It's also just regular people who can't afford the rent prices in San Diego because housing is... Rent is too damn high. Yeah, screw the roof, yeah. (laughs) And um, so that's been the the solution that a lot of people um, have come up with. So they're living in Tijuana, and they're commuting to work every day. Um, Now, there's, there's... not been a lot of attention paid to this particular population. I feel like um, it hasn't been until recently uh, that there's been some sort of coverage. Um, there's been some scholarship done about it and the impacts, especially now um, with the policies that this administration has implemented because the border is now militarized. The, boil- the violence that we are facing every day is unlike any other. And this has something that has been happening since 1994 when the Operation Gatekeeper was implemented. Mm-hmm. So we've just seen like every year just the border experience becoming more and more violent, both um, explicitly and symbolically. Because um, now we get to see, you know, every day I go to work, I go to school, I see refugees, I see people from Haiti, I see people from Central America, from South America fleeing their home countries because of economic policies that the United States has implemented in those countries. Right. Yet the narrative and the discourse is that, you know, yes. we're, we're rapists and we're trying to take jobs when it's like, no, like, you know, you've, you've implemented policies that are making people flee their home countries, you know? It's mm-hmm. it's it's colonization in the 21st century. Right. And this, I imagine, has fed your interest in uh, unions. Yes, definitely. And one of those situations when I'm talking about, like, neoliberal policies, I'm also talking about the war against drugs. Um, so I know for a lot of people it's not shocking, like, Tijuana was one of the most affected Um, And this happened because of the pressure that the United States put on Mexico to have this war against drugs. Um, So it's just been a lot of militarization in my home country. I've seen um, a lot of people die because of gun violence as well. Um, When, yes, drugs are crossing the border, but they're crossing the border because the consumers are on this side, right? So, yeah. but the, the criminalization happens on the other side of the border. And um, Alex, I'm going to ask you the same question, but I, you know, I'll just sort of—it's—it's it's an inelegant and imprecise comparison. 
but we just said also reminds me of the fact that um, the enactment uh, when President Bill Clinton, a Democrat, mm-hmm. uh, um, with Democratic support, enacted NAFTA in '93. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, uh, it, it caused great harm not just to American workers. Um, obviously, it harmed um, workers in Mexico mm-hmm. um, who uh, have attempted to organize and form unions and have been crushed. So I don't know if that's a, a uh, the right kind of um, comparison, but it, it strikes me when you, you talk about neoliberal policies, uh, this whole idea that trade free trade lifts mm-hmm. up other countries, uh, it only lifts up really big, powerful corporations that, ha- that hate unions. Mm-hmm. That, that's been my experience at any rate, uh, my observation. So, But, uh, Alex, I wanted to hear from you, um, what got you interested in the labor movement and what got you interested in this program? Um, I think what got me interested in the labor movement itself was just growing up and um, you know, my parents weren't doing the best, didn't have the greatest jobs, um, and as a result of that, I didn't have health care or anything, um, which is something that I know a lot of people can relate to, and it's just an issue that affects a lot of people, and along with that, just seeing all the political issues arising um, in my country and realizing that, you know, as I get older, I can actually make a difference by joining the movement itself, and um, it's been a really great experience just learning more every every day and this is my first internship with the labor movement so it's been just all around a huge learning experience and, and I, I realize you you know you're still in school at um mm-hmm. at uh, uh, Cal State Long Beach but yeah. um you, you're thinking about doing something and getting involved with the labor movement when you graduate yeah um hopefully I can try to do something within the labor movement. Um, I'm also really passionate about international studies, though, so Good. it could go. It all way. blends together. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and Andrea, I didn't mean to cut you off before because oh, no, you were talking about um, your experience, but uh, again, being uh, in the, you know a trans border student, seeing um, the harm of, of 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 the policies that we're seeing, um, I imagine then that 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 fed into your interest in in union activism? And is that where you see yourself headed? Um, I think so. It definitely was what made me um, curious. It's definitely what fed my intellectual curiosity to really invest in my political formation um, and try and seek experiences that would help me with that. I think that I definitely want to be involved within the labor movement um, for two reasons. I think that there's a lot that I can bring to the table. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, both <laughs> to of you. To be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then second of all, because... I think I want to be an educator. I want to be a teacher. So most most likely, my job is going to be a union job. Absolutely. So Great. so I think that's how I'm going to start to get involved. You know, because the union is not you know the other people that give me my contract. Like I am going to be my union. I'm going to be a member. So then, um, in I want to be a community college professor. I want to teach community college students. Um, specifically in the areas of ethnic studies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very interested in creating curriculum that speaks about the labor movement 
Um, but also talking about, you know, the literature that has been created from it, um, films, just really, because there's really no labor programs in this country. There's very few. Um, and especially um, because I'm a Chicana, um, we always do cover the history of of labor because of the Chicano movement. It was it was very strong because of farm workers and Cesar exactly. Chavez. Right. So that just fits right in. But I think that there's just been other struggles that there's they're not necessarily covered. Um, so I think a lot of people, when they think Mexican-Americans in unionism, they, they just think of Cesar Chavez, Dolores Huerta. But the, the fact is that Mexican-American women and Mexican women have been organizing since before, I'm talking like 1920s, 1930s in the mines, you know, when they were really, um, unions haven't really crossed the color line and they were, women weren't even allowed in unions. So it was ladies auxiliaries that were really, you know, pushing forward. And I think um, people seldom think of that. So I really want to create curriculum that accurately portrays um, all the contributions that Mexican women have done to the labor movement. That's fascinating. And, mm-hmm. and Alice, I imagine, um, you know, you might be in a, a similar situation where growing up you probably didn't hear much or learn much about unions. Yeah, no, it's definitely not something that we really learn about in, you know, public schools or mm. I'm not sure even private schools really talk about it. It's right. just something that's kind of brushed under the rug. Obviously, all of our teachers are a part of a union, and, mm-hmm. you know, staff members, they're all a part of a union, but it's just not something that we really discuss. And um, going along with what Andrea said, like, labor history is something that's really important and something that really needs to be instilled in our curriculum, but, you know, we don't see it happening. And right. it's difficult because it's... Really, what's it's a trend that's going to continue, and if we don't teach people about it, it's just going to lead to more exploitation in the future, and we really can't have that happen if we want to continue to progress as a society, you know? I agree. We, uh, You'd both be um, pleased to know, two years ago, uh, several unions uh, pushed for this. Uh, state Senator um, Martin Looney out of New Haven led the drive, but Connecticut actually, and I don't know if any other states did this or how many other states did it, Connecticut passed legislation uh, authorizing the uh, teaching of labor history um, and the creation of a curriculum through the Department of Education so that uh, local school districts can do that because it just seems like that's um, something that needs to be addressed and something that the kids ought to have the opportunity to, to learn and so I appreciate your, your pointing that out, Alex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and along the same lines, Alex, and I'll ask you the same thing, Andrea, uh, you have a positive impression of unions? Uh, for the most part, yeah. I know there's room for improvement in certain unions, and, um, of course, not every union works the same. But like Andrea said at the beginning, um, focusing on a service model can be really detrimental to the membership. And um, not only that, it's... It's just not really making us better as a society. Um, Of course, like, it can be hard to organize and it can be hard to sit down and have those conversations, but it is something that needs to happen if we do wish to um, continue to progress and um, really appeal to the membership in a way that's more than just, you know, health care, pension, things like that. And, Andrea, I'll... 
ask the same question maybe mm -hmm. in a little different way, but it, it's clear from polling, it's clear from uh, organizing drives and, and new and digital media that you know, young, young workers are uh, more supportive and are embracing labor unions. Um, is that kind of how you feel and are you, you taking a look at what's happening in the, uh, among younger workers? Yes. Um, I mean, maybe not to the extent that we would all wish for, uh, but I think just because there's just more information out there, um, I think that people are able to create their own opinions about things, um, and people are more critical with the content that they are consuming. Um, so in that sense, I definitely think that uh, maybe this younger generation is a bit more receptive to unions. I think it's it's been a, like, for this past generation, um, there were still remnants of, you know, the Red Scare. Mm -hmm. And for us, that's way too long ago. Right. You know, we were not, our parents did not necessarily, or we didn't grow up hearing things um, that were bad about unions, um, which is different from other generations. Uh, but I also think that it's not just only because of the information that we have available. I think it's it's a direct result of the precarization of jobs. Like, just the material conditions are there. Mm -hmm. Where, like, you are paying me this wage where I cannot afford housing. I cannot afford college. I cannot afford to have a family. Um, my reproductive rights are being taken away from me. You know, my family, I, if, I, if you come from a mixed-status family, you're in fear that your family is going to be separated. There's just so many issues that it's just the material conditions are there for people to be like, no, we, we can't do this. Right. And the only way out, like we know, is to organize, right? So because the, the – I feel like we're just at that point. I agree. I mean, every regardless of – of your age, your demographic, your industry, um, I, I think that this is a time where, where anybody who um, wants to make, uh, wants to earn a decent living, and and have a sense of community needs to take steps like organizing. Wanted to throw a couple statistics at, at both of you for your reaction. Um, this was an article recently published in Rewire, Rewire.com. The Center for Economic Policy and Research reported that 75% of new union members are under the age of 35, and. The article goes on to say millennials are more supportive of labor unions than generations before them. A 2018 Gallup poll showed that 66% of people ages 18 to 34, and you both fit squarely in that, uh, approve of labor unions compared to 60% of people ages 35 to 54 and 62% of people ages 55 and older. So um, clearly the numbers in the mm. indicate that that young folk, younger workers see unions as a, a positive. Mm -hmm. So, Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the activism that we're seeing online as well. And, you know, a lot of that ties to what labor unions do anyway. So I think people getting on board with labor unions is directly tied to the activism that unions actually participate in. So that's why it's so important for them to really have this organizing model and really reach out to other members of the community and speak out about issues that really matter. But, um, you know, um, I think that's one of the biggest reasons that young people are so on board. 
and um, besides that, I'm sure their, you know, parents are telling them, like, you know, join your union, and it, it could be a number of reasons, but I think definitely that's a great thing, yeah. and um, it's something we should be really happy about, and maybe even strive to get 100%, you know? I agree. That would be wonderful. What's your take on, on, on the statistics you're, you're hearing, Andrea? Um, they're not surprising <laughs> because um, just kind of what I was mentioning before, um, it's just we are facing really harsh economic conditions mm. um, with I f- maybe starting around the, the 80s um, with just like when the biggest attacks on unions started. Um, I think that there's just no no middle class anymore, right? right? And I think that it's it's just ridiculous how we are supposed to, we're not even thinking about living and enjoying life. We're all in survival mode. And I think when, and it's a, a little cliche, um, but I think maybe other generations had something to lose. So they're like, oh, I'm not going to go into this whole union thing. Like, I'm not trying to get in trouble. But when you really have nothing, like, rents are in California, you know, we cannot pass rent control. Right. Like, it, the, just yeah. the living conditions, like, the poverty, like, in California, most of the children in California, it's the fifth largest economy in the world, yet we cannot feed our children. Right. Like, how do you reconcile those realities? And I think that's when people yeah. are like, we need better. Yeah. And I, I'll say as a parent, um, you know, too, that, you know, I feel like sometimes our, our generation in some ways has let down your generation, but, um, and we need to fight together because clearly, um, and I'm not always comfortable using the word millennials because <laughs> I, I think, I think that's, can be a little condescending, but I'll just say that, um, for example, um, my son who's, who's 29 and his friends in Brooklyn, you know, they live in Brooklyn, they pay expensive rents. Um, it's difficult to get health care. you know, employers don't provide it anymore. So the things that my generation and my parents' generation took for granted Mm -hmm. were almost, were able to get as a birthright, which were decent health care and some kind of uh, stable retirement are, are not available for younger workers. And that's criminal. It's wrong. But I also think that younger workers want to fix that. And that's why they're, they're turning to unions, just as, as our generation is trying to build the unions by making sure we reach out to everyone. So hopefully, you know, we, we all have this meeting of the minds where we're working together to build this movement. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, intergenerational conversations are a must. Like, we need to be having these conversations and, you know, um, and also not just because like, oh, I want you to think like me. It's, I want you to vote like me. <laughs> right. I want you to vote on this piece of policy that's gonna, right. you know, make it easier for me to, to get healthcare. I need you. So that's why those convert, like those intergenerational conversations need to happen because, um, we need our people to show up and, and especially in local politics, I feel like that's where we have the most power and the most, right. um, where our voices can be heard the most. Like, 
And I think that's why those conversations need to happen. And that's um, solidarity. I don't need, you know, my mom to share something on Facebook. Like, no, I need you to, like, (laughs) go out, you know, and, and vote on this piece of legislation. Like, you know, get your uncle, get your grandma, like make sure mm-hmm. everyone's like, you know, voting on 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 legislation yeah. and, and, and doing what's right, right. You know. And I guess, Alex, that's part of what the, you know, the AFSCME Union Scholar Program is about, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're going door to door talking to workers about the importance of um, the union, about the importance of voting for candidates, not on the party, just but um for candidates who embrace workers' rights and, right. and will allow workers, to, who will support the laws that enable workers to have a decent standard of living. Yeah, and that's one thing that I think is misconstrued a lot is that unions are, you know, trying to spread a political message or something like that. We're really just trying to get people to vote on the issues that would best benefit them and benefit their, you know, living conditions, but it's hard when, um, you know, you want to vote a certain way and, you know, the labor unions might lean a certain way and um, it can be hard for people to see past that Mm. and realize that, you know, these are things that are doing based on what their needs are. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been a a wonderful show. I want to thank our guests, Alex Guerrero and Andrea Dominguez. Thank you both. They are our AFSCME Council for Union Scholars. Uh, They're doing a a great job helping us build um, a bigger, better movement for working people here in Connecticut. I wish you the best as you go forward, and uh, hopefully we'll be working together on more projects. Uh, And you have been listening to Council for Unplugged. As always, thanks for listening to our Council for Unplugged podcast. You can find us on all major social platforms by searching for Council for AFSCME. Our website is council4.org. My name is Larry Dorman, and you've been unplugged.